Hello, Michelle Laurie here, and as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane, and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio, or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime Live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning, that it's not suitable for children. And it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Our guest today is Nathan. He's the owner and director of a successful gym called Peak Shape. 
He's a life coach and a mentor specialising in working with at-risk young people. So why is he a guest on Australian True Crime, I hear you ask? Well, it's because this is quite a career change for Nathan, who committed himself to being a baddie as a preteen and began his life of crime with the backing of his doting nan. Nathan, like so many men we've spoken to and about over the years on Australian True Crime, spent his early childhood dealing with a familiar set of circumstances that led him to turn his untapped potential to criminality. Unlike so many others, Nathan has a truly self-reflective streak and it eventually helped him find contentment and a living in the straight world. This is a roller coaster ride with a dead set likeable rogue by the name of Nathan. But it's also a true testament to the human capacity for change. I'm in year seven and uh, my first foray into entrepreneurship was selling cigarettes. And Nan was a smoker, so she, behind mum's back, she used to go and buy me the packets so that I could go and sell them for a dollar each at school. Did you get busted? No, I didn't even got caught. Hmm. We, were pretty, we were pretty swifty with it. Year seven, eight, just couldn't behave. It was just a dead set class clown. Wouldn't do any of my homework. And they actually done the best thing they ever could have done for me. They, my homeroom coordinator said, look, mate, it's just not happening. No matter what we do. Drag me into the careers office. They had, and they, there was a classified ad for a diesel mechanic job. And they said, we think you should go for this. And anyway, dad knew that bloke who'd done the interview. So I instantly got the job. I'd only just turned 15. So they put me through TAFE. They did all that. I, I kind of remember being pretty turbulent, like the whole home situation. And because by this stage, dad had realized, must have realized it was done with him and mum. So if he, he'd probably need to get one of us on side, uh, and that was me. Dad's side hustle was ripping shit off the back of trucks, <laughs> the trucks he was driving. That was how he supplemented, supplemented income. But back then, truck drivers were paid shit, mm-hmm. interstate truck drivers. Uh, they worked way more hours than it happens now, yep. and uh, they had drug habits. Was he taking stimulants to, to drive yeah. long shifts? Yeah, 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 to stay awake and do what he did. That was like my apprenticeship to being naughty, I suppose. I'm probably introduced to drugs at about 15 and a half for a friend. That's the first night I got on the speed and there was no going back from there. You're getting it from your dad's contacts? Well, I did start getting a free dad. So I'm getting it for a third of the price and just giving it amongst my mates and getting on it for nothing. And that goes on for a little while. Um, so, and then dad, in that period, dad's taught me how to like, how to cut it, right? Cause he's decided he's going to start selling to his mates too, right? So he teach me how to, how to crush it, how to, how to cut it. So then I've turned that into a little side hustle. So you and your dad become dealers, um, like speed dealers by the time you're in your late teens. Yeah. Yep. yep. So I've, I've kept my apprenticeship this whole time. Yeah. Started to do okay at it and yeah. moved up through the ranks. By the time I'm 19, I'm foreman and I've developed a, a diagnostic skill set. Um, which was like very valuable in the dealership. I think by age 20, a huge bunch of disruption happens in the dealership. Managers get sacked, the, the the knife goes through the place. And I'm foreman and somehow I'm promoted to workshop manager at about 20 or something. But I've taken the piss by this stage because I'm starting to sell drugs by this stage. And this is around the time that ICE is in and I can literally do no wrong in this place. I can walk around doing whatever the hell I want. I've got a company car, I've got a phone. I can piss off with no no one asking where I am for hours on end. And some of that time, I'm just either out dropping drugs off, maybe having a press of the pokies, just going and get on it. Then I come back to work. And I just started smoking ice when I was 21. And that's about the time I meet Bo's mum. Mm-hmm. But I said, I'm pretty cooked. I'm paranoid. Like, I'm fucking 
thinking the jacks were after me all the time. And yeah. I went driving trucks. And where it really went fucked up, I rolled the truck. So it's come off the side of the road into towards a bunch of trees. It's gone into the grass off the side of the road, back up on both lanes and landed on its side. Because that's like four hundred thousand dollars of equipment you've just thrown away. Your job's gone, and that didn't even occur to me until like a few hours later. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm a job. Yeah. And this age, I'm about to lose my license through sort of incurring too many points. Things have started to really go off to uh, go off the hill. Mm. I said to Sarah, "This is like this is the key point where I go. No, it's all crime from here on out. Uh, it's all I'm going to be." And that's all I want to be. And like it's a clear sit down and sit her down moment. I'm like, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to go back to selling ice. And I don't give a fuck what I've got to do to, to fucking be good at it, make it as big, best a business I can. But a whole bunch of serious events happen, lots of police chases and ridiculous ones, dangerous ones, you know, driving around with wheels flat on cars at like doing 150 kilometers an hour, you know, cars with no brakes in them. Wow. Just re- reckless stuff. Like, mm. I've got no regard for my own life at this point. Bo is conceived around 2016-ish. Baby Bo! Um, this is where I decided to leave Sarah anyway. Did ya? Yeah. When she was still pregnant. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, top bloke. I decide for Sarah without really just having a, giving her a choice that you're not cut out for the life I'm building. I'm also not the person to guide that child. He was much better off without me. It was like pretty much the, the line of... You know, go find a go find a dad who's gonna be better than I am. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
I've moved to Melbourne on a run back up to Wodonga to drop gear off. I've um, pulled into an APCO survey in Sarah's car. I don't know what she was driving around in, but I took her car and I had false plates on it, but I'd forgotten that I had false plates. And I was pulled in the survey and the police were in the survey. Go to drive out with it, stop, jump out, rip the keys out of ignition and grab me. Uh, and I'm done. I'm in the Divi van in 30 seconds. And there is so much shit in that car, so much incriminating paraphernalia in that car. And I'm like, fuck. In the end, I did four weeks on remand and got released on a corrections order. So I start pinching cars every day. This is my new career path. In Melbourne, uh, if, you, if you're willing to go and pinch cars, which is a handful, there's a few people that are, you're highly, highly valued because drug dealers need lots of stolen cars. Mm. Then it turns into strategy. Um, you know, planning it, ripping off car yards, getting uniforms to look like a certain, like a, an authority who's allowed into a rental car yard so you can drive cars out of there. Like it's now planned, pre-planned, premeditated. It's a system, right? And in now three months, I got out on that corrections order in, se- in, in September yep. Yep. by Christmas Day. I'm arrested again in Albury. Right. Christmas morning, Bo's first Christmas. So in the end, you went to Beechworth Correctional Centre. What was your sentence? Uh, multiple thefts of motor vehicle, possession of false number plates, all this just crap, you know, minor charges. Lots of minor charges. Yeah. So what did they add up to? How many convictions did you get? Uh, with with the corrections order that was outstanding mm. that I failed to complete, uh, nine months. Okay. And I got it down to 38 charges. Okay. I was very apprehensive of going to Beechworth. And I was, I was even more apprehensive once, apprehensive once I got there because it was not for me. Beechworth, I know no one. Mm. You got to learn all this new shit. You got to go to work. Um, you got to muster nine times a day. You got to make your bed every morning. There's this fucking stupid bell and alarm that goes off at six a.m. every morning. Like What's it's, muster nine? Like as in line up and be counted? Yeah, nine, nine times a day. Nine times, yeah. And then I'm from that area. Mm-hmm. I know that outside that fence that I can see. I know that on the other side of that hill, there's a road, and that road takes me to mm-hmm. town. Thanks to your mum's place. How'd you do it? Over the wall, under the wall? Oh, there's no wall. There's just fences there. Is it? Oh, is it a prison farm or something? Yeah, prison farm. Yeah. Okay. So I waited till after the like. There's a right on dark muster. Yeah. But you're allowed out for a bit still while it's dark before they lock you in. So I go and get a bag full of stuff I've packed. I wait about 15, 20 minutes, and I go down to the footy oval and I wait there for a minute and I can't see anything. It's pretty dark at this point. And then I run through the, the little farm gate that takes you to one of the farm factories. I run up to the top of the hill. And I know that on the other side of that hill is the main road and I can follow that into town then. Because it's so quiet out there, I can hear them talking on the radio and they've called me to movement control, which is the main reception where you report to. They've then called an emergency muster. So after I get called three times and I don't roll and I don't call in, the, the bell's going off and that doesn't take very long. So I didn't get very far. I'm over, only over the first barbed wire fence and I can hear a bell going off, which is probably the muster bell the first time. Once they've done the emergency muster, which takes them about 10 minutes, I'm already into the paddocks and gone. But I've wigged out at this point. I don't know where I am because it's pitch black out in the paddocks. Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm hiding long enough for the police to turn up and they're spotlighting for me. So I can see where the road is because they're doing. They're constantly running back and forth on, on these two roads. One's a dirt track that runs near your farmhouse. One's the main road that runs to the jail. So I look for the one that's running up and back down Allen's Flat Road near the jail, and I'm waiting. I mean, they're going to give up eventually. So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I'm like, kind of timing, without having any sense of time, how long it's taking them to do the full lap 
up and back. So when I see it go back one time, like that's enough time for me to get to the other side of that road and they can't see me in the tree line then. It's one side's forestry, one side's open. Just cross the road into the forestry and I follow that all the way into town. What feels like six or eight hours. It wasn't in there, it was only an hour. <laughs> Felt like a long time. It's pretty cold at this point. It's like April, Sarah's birthday, the exact day of her birthday. I know a friend whose dad lives in Beechworth. So I'm trying to get to that house, to his house. So I find my way to that house. I ring mum for my phone because I can still remember her number. She already knows police have rang her, but it's also hit the news, local news by this point. So she sends someone to come pick me up who will rename nameless. I go back to her house for the night and I can't sleep because I assume they're kicking the door at any point. At this point, I've got no plan. I know where I'm going. Anyway, the morning comes and no one's rocked up. I might have slept for 40 minutes. I'm walking around town pretty much all day. No real plan, debating whether to run to Queensland and really go on with it or whether just to go and hear myself in. Because all day they're ringing mum. They know she knows where I am. Debating what to do. Yeah. Went to Sarah's house because I kind of was getting pretty run down by this day. Just at the end of the day, the adrenaline started wearing off and I'm getting a bit emotional. Mm. And I'm getting a bit like erratic. Anyway, she convinces me or tells me that I'm going to hear myself in. I'm like, right, I'm gonna, I'll go and have a shower and you can take me to the Budonga police station. And they rock up while I'm having a shower. And they arrest me on her front mailbox and fucking border mails there taking photos and carrying on. This really unique situation happens where I'm in the cells watching myself on the news where they're saying I've been recaptured. And I'm just pacing back in the fourth in the cells, still going, still pretty high on adrenaline. Mm. I remember watching myself on the screen from the Orby police cells. And I was like a little concrete thing you sleep on with a couple of blankets. And I just looked at the TV and it's like, oh, just fucking hit me what I've done. How much trouble I've just caused and how much shit I'm probably in. I just fall on the bed, go back, go to sleep. Next day is like an extra extradition hearing, get extradited to Wodonga because I had time still owing there, so that's priority. And did the futility of the entire exercise of the escape dawn on you at any time during that? Well, I uh, something really, like I just went somewhere else after that. Mm. Didn't speak for like two weeks. What was going on? Probably the first time I'd realised consequence mm. and the fact that it caused so much trauma for my family and Sarah. So much grief. Mm. So was that a turning point? Yeah. Psychologically? Yeah, psychologically it was, definitely. Yeah. Um, went real deep and dark, I suppose. I didn't talk to anyone. I met a bloke who was like an elite athlete, so he knew everything about exercise and he taught me so much about exercise. But it dawned on me, he taught me, like, we were doing stretching and yoga in there mm. and I'm starting to get the kick from lifting weights and he's taught me correct technique and tempo and all these things that I teach now. He's taught me all this stuff in jail. I'm like, how I live now. I read a book, I drink tea, mm-hmm. I meditate. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much doing that in jail apart from the meditation, thinking about what I'm going to do when I get out. Mm. Got about another six or so months to go. So I find things to keep me occupied, courses, uh, as many as I can do because I can't work. I'm allowed to work in there. And I do a behavioral change course run by the church. Seven-week course. I think you go once a week from memory. And it is the most moving experience you will ever do. Really? Yeah. Do the seven weeks, you learn things like values, what they actually are, how they interpret your behavior, traits, all these kind of things. And that probably is the dawning point where it all dawns on me, what my job is as a parent, like how much that actually means to me. Mm. Like pretty much all the boys in that course are all crying by the end of it. Mm. I got released. Got home that afternoon, slept at mum's, went and handed myself in the next day, faced court. 
just through pure luck or the universe, they rebailed me. Um, so that bought me four months of time. I kept adjourning and adjourning and adjourning to buy myself some goodwill. Mm-hmm. Took boat parenting classes. Oh. Was working on weekends, getting by paying for my own drug tests every week to prove I was clean because the drugs were going to be an issue. Like there's so much drug crime in the New South Wales charges. Most of that was a possession charge, plus a high speed chase. Mm. Um, so clearly you don't drive. <laughs> so no driving. <laughs> So I got to spend two and a half years riding a bike around in the dead of winter. I got a little bit of community service as part of the suspended sentence, doing that in the freezing cold. I used to ride my bike across town and go wash trucks all day to make a little bit of money, ride home. It's hard work doing what you committed yourself to do. Um, no social contact with anybody just because didn't have any network or friends left. Took a while for anyone to really want to reach out. And by then I'm like so socially anxious that mm-hmm. I didn't want to be around people anyway. I see Bo once a week. Build that up slowly until mm. I'm ready to take on more. What's come out of all this um, and all the learning in the last five years, the the emotional, the spiritual journey, all those things have all now lined up to where I can mentor and use that to help people. As I said earlier, our guest Nathan is the owner and director of Peak Shape Gym. He also does mentoring and youth group work and you can find his contact details in the show notes to this episode. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 YARN on 13 92 76 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Michelle Laurie here. And as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.